When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. A Lodi, Wisconsin meat equipment company is being directly impacted by the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Alcar is an international company that was in the middle of a deal for a hot dog processing machine worth about $8 million, but that's now on hold because of Russia's invasion. Steve King, vice president of global sales at Alcar, explains the conversations they've been having. Yeah, actually, I was on the phone with a CEO from a company in Russia talking to him about an order that, that we had to cancel or delay saying that, you know, we had to stop the process until federal sanctions are lifted. And they were actually looking for advice and consultative kind of conversations. And we just told them we didn't feel comfortable discussing anything until the, the sanctions were lifted. We, you know, we, we don't want to fool around with federal law. We do probably annually in spare parts a couple million overseas. Um, a part of that is um, in, the, in Russia or the Soviet Union. From that standpoint, we were actually engaged in a, um, selling a group, um, a large hot dog line that would be producing, I want to say 150,000 pounds a day of hot dogs. And, and that, that deal is now frozen or in limbo until the aggression stops and, and there's peace in the area. And then ultimately, sanctions would be lifted, we would suppose. But as we've told our, the people we work with in our, in our Russian offices that, that represent our, our parent company, we're just like, guys, we can't, we can't do anything right now. That would have been probably about an $8 million sale. Is it the federal sanctions alone that limit Alcar, or are there other factors at play? You know, we talked about, you know, one, the sanctions, obviously, we're going to uphold the laws. But we also kind of felt like we had a moral obligation to look at how we were going to conduct business there. You know, one of the, the conversations I had with the CEO, you know, he goes, because they're a food company, he thought that they were immune to those, which has happened in the past. But at this time, that's not the case. Now, if, if this drags on, that might become the case, and then we would have to revisit that. You want to do the right thing as an organization and, and support something you know that you're ultimately against as a human being. But it's a tough area. It's a weird conversation to be having with somebody who's been a good customer you know for a long time. That you know you're just like, hey, I, I can't I can't help you right now. We'll we'll find a way to get around the revenue and we'll, we'll generate it elsewhere. But from that standpoint, that that will impact helping out our Russian office and then helping out the the team that would normally support that. And, you know, we've had longstanding relationships with some of those companies who are good customers. But, you know, they ultimately, they don't have any control of their situation either. So we're just going to have to deal with it the best we can. What do agribusinesses look like in that region? Do your customers in the Russia-Ukraine region look similar to that here in the U.S.? Well, yeah. I mean, I think some of the products that they're manufacturing are different. I mean, they're geared more toward what people are used to eating over there. But, you know, ultimately, I guess a hot dog is a hot dog and a sausage is a sausage if you really want to break it down at the most fundamental level. And so what we've seen is like there's been significant growth in pork processing and, and hot dog cooking in Russia. We're one of the predominant builders of hot dog machines globally. I want to say that like I want to say the numbers like 70% of all the hot dogs made in the world are made in on Alcar equipment and you start it's a staggering number it's in billions of hot dogs. The biggest line that we've sold into Russia, the company wanted to order a second one. Um, they've been so happy with the product and we were negotiating final terms on this when this broke out and that kind of that, that set everybody back. And then from that standpoint, though, you know, 
um, you see people, you know, you know, ready to cook meals and stuff like that. So that that's becoming more and more predominant over there too. We'll, you know, we'll see. And then we have actually a plant that we're doing some work with in another part of Europe that with the project might go on hold because you know they don't know what's going to happen. And so we're 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 talking to them and, and trying to uh, just let you know. There's nothing you can do, and so you, you just kind of. You, you let you're letting this play out and then see you know and reassuring people that you know the only thing that's going to happen though with with this conflict is is we're going to see prices of raw materials escalate which will continue to impact how we price our equipment and that's thrown at you as prices were already going up and so yeah. my next question for you is beyond the Russia Ukraine situation how has supply chain been tough? I mean, just like everybody else, we're dealing with it. Electronic components seem to be the most difficult thing to get, and we're very proactive in looking at what we would call long-term lead items. I would say in the past, our standard delivery was 20 to 25 weeks. That's now 35 to 40 weeks. And then the one thing, the caveat we're giving anybody on all new orders is anything that's electronic, that's the, that's the great unknown is... Do we believe that, you know, if electronic components start to loosen up, will we be able to do a better job with our supply chain? Yeah. And we have, we have really good people who manage it and spend all their days working on it. But even then, it's just unknown. And you'll hear, okay, 16 weeks becomes 22 weeks, becomes 28 weeks. And it's something everybody's battling. And 95% of the people that you work with understand because they're dealing with it too. What about steel? We do a lot with steel, but we're, we've been proactively buying for the last year and building up. We um, doubled our standard inventory holding and we're going through it because we're, we're as busy as we've ever been as an organization, which is great. But, you know, the cost of steel is, is, is problematic. Steel's, steel's gone up, what, I, I want to say 60 to 80 percent in the last year, if not more. Most of your customers understand because they're going through the same thing. Our meat processors are impacted by inflation, supply chain disrupted workforce strains. When your customers are impacted, does that indirectly impact you guys as well? It, it slows down buying decisions and investments. And then when, they, when people are ready to go, they seem to be, it, the decisions come quicker. And then from a standpoint of when, yeah, when it does impact, you, you know, you just have to, the world's changed and, and, you know, what existed two years ago for supply chain, I don't know if it's ever coming back. And so the conversation we're having with people is, look, this, this is the reality of the world we live in now. And, you know, quotes that used to be good for 90 days are now good for 15. The reality is, is that I haven't met anybody who hasn't experienced some of this. I think you're having a lot more honest conversations with your customers. And when I say that, just in regards to the deadlines, in regards to the supply chains, and, the, and that communication is occurring more on a regular basis, um, where you're updating people weekly as you get closer to the deadline. Is there an unknown? Is there an, un, is there an unforeseen incident coming your way? And then just talking to people, because we've had delays and deliveries that were really going to impact customers in a negative fashion. And then, you know, let's say it's a six-week delay. When that occurs, then you find out that every other um, piece of equipment being hooked up to us is delayed too. And so it's it, not that it makes it better. It's just everybody, most reasonable people are dealing with this. And whether you're happy or not, it's kind of, it's the lay of the land and, and you just have to, you have to adjust. So kind of along those same lines, but jumping a little bit here, the grant money to expand meat processing, more aid to bring new processors online. 
since those are your customers, how do you feel about this new influx of money that's going to boost up that meat processing industry? Well, I mean, from there's a selfish standpoint from the business of what you're seeing is a lot of people invest in technology, right? Because the labor force has been just gutted. And you have to start to plan on the labor force is not going to return. Most people I talk to in the meat business are down 25% staff as an average, some people 35. And so what you have to do is, as, as we look at this, it's like, how do you become more efficient from a standpoint? There are two issues, right? One, how do you do it with less people? And then how do you make it more sustainable? And the sustainability aspect in the meat industry is taking off on how do you use less water? How do you use less power? As you're looking at new product lines, those have to be the things that you're factoring in. You're not going to have a line of 100 people standing next to each other processing stuff anymore. It's going to be less and less people. And you're going to have customers looking for more automated solutions. So I think it's going to help. And at a certain point, you also need some of that infusion of cash because you need to feed the country. People need a little help because the people that were so dependent on that labor, that labor's gone. You can't really explain easily where it all went. But yes, they call it the great resignation. There's a lot of people that just aren't going to come back. It's a tough way to make a living. In some parts of the country, it's a nice way to make a living because you're making good money and you get good benefits. But it's still a tough, it's a tough job. And so by going to more automation, people, people are starting to invest more and more in that. Steve, is there anything else you'd like to add on the international situation that Alcar faces? No, I, I think, you know, internationally, you know, it's, I think a lot of people are, you know, you're, you're scared, right? Because, you know, these are troubling times. You know, there's, there's a lot that can go wrong. You know, when you turn on the news and you see that, um, you know, somebody was launching missiles at a nuclear power site, that, that kind of scares you, and rightfully so. Um, you know, you just hope that cooler heads will prevail. Um, and then, and then I, I think from our standpoint, it is nice to see that globally people have stood up for this and, and are working together to put a stop to it through trade and economic sanctions that will have a lasting impact. And I mean, I'm, I feel bad for the guys on our team who have been working so hard to win this deal. But in the greater scheme of things, you know, that'll that'll pass. You know. And, and we just, you know, and it's something too, you know, we had, we had a hard conversation about, we have a moral obligation to support this. Beyond the federal sanctions, we, we do have a moral obligation as human beings to not support this kind of activity. And so, and you plan the best you can and you, you do the best you can with the information you have and you, and you go forward. But th- there's a lot more uncertainty in the world when it comes to supply chain. And I think things that you used to take for granted, you know, you can't take for granted anymore. You have to be more nimble and more more diligent and have more discipline when sticking to your plans and looking at your inventory and looking at your orders and making sure that you're not projecting things that may or may not happen and you have to deal in more real terms. And it's, it, it's just a different, a different set of rules to guide your behavior. Hopefully, hopefully in a couple months, this will have all passed and the world will start to cycle back to normal being whatever normal is. Steve King, along with us, the Vice President of Global Sales at Alcar, giving us some insight on how a Wisconsin company deals with international unrest. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff.